You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash Enterprise Data to learn more. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. President Trump says he's ready for tax cut 2.0, but looks a different to Trump than to GOP lawmakers. Are they all on the same page with tax cut 2.0? Does it even matter? Are there going to be another round of tax cuts before next November 2020? I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent. For Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, I'm still in Houston, Texas. Couldn't get a flight. I'm flying back to Washington tonight. We have complete, complete day-after analysis as we spin forward ever closer to the Iowa caucuses. Tyler Pager, Bloomberg News political campaign trail reporter, will navigate through for us all of the latest on the 2020 campaign trail. Ryan Teague Beckwith, Bloomberg News national political reporter as well. And get ready, folks. Adam Green, co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. He is en route to the Bloomberg News Washington studios. He's blocks away. He just texted me. Blocks away following the latest round of inter-campaign conference calls with Senator Elizabeth Warren. How How does the Warren campaign feel? The Progressive did last night here in Houston. So we've got a lot to get through. It was a remarkably busy week. Uh, joining me back in Washington, D.C., holding down the fort, holding down the fort for me until I get back are two of my all-star colleagues, Bloomberg's national political reporters, Tyler Pager and Ryan Teague Beckwith. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending Friday with me. Ryan, I want to start with you. Spin this forward. What has the fallout been for the front runners? Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. Do the contours and the trajectory of this race change at all? about 24 hours after the third Democratic presidential debate? No, I, I think that um, what the people who were more affected were the people at the at number four on uh, who did once again had an opportunity to maybe bra- break out and didn't. Um, I think, if anything, this more solidified. If you remember at the beginning of the debate, there was a health care question, and for like a good 10 minutes, it was just uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden um, debating, and uh, that was yeah. almost like a preview of what's to come. 
All right, Tyler Pager, same question to you. Let's name some names. Who were the biggest losers last night? So I think one name that keeps coming up, and, and there's a divide over whether or not he lost or he won, but was Julian Castro. He went really hard after Joe Biden, questioning whether or not his memory was was serving him right. And um, and so so some people, uh, Biden defended that and, and, and came out actually on top in the sense that Julian Castro's assessment of it was not accurate. Um, but some people also said that Julian Castro was sticking it to Biden in a way that his uh, – Raising concerns over his health care plan not covering everyone. That debate continues on today. I, we're, uh, we're going back and forth with the Castro and Biden campaigns. Let's play it. Let's play it because we have it and then we'll analyze it. So okay. let's, let's play the exchange, that heated exchange. But former HUD secretary Julian Castro really went after. It was candidly when he was doing the political attack, I thought of what Republicans have been attacking Joe Biden for on social media. Uh, here's the exchange and then we'll talk about it. Let's take a listen. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. to buy in. If she qualifies for Medicaid, Are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? Wow. I mean, you can hear the groans, Tyler Pager, in the debate hall. I was in the spin room, and, and there were gasps in the spin room. I'm not sure that it played well. Uh, there were other campaigns and even other candidates in the spin room who were criticizing Castro, and not in the typical way that we see lawmakers attack one another, but in a way that it is that they were making the case maybe it went too far. Maybe he didn't mean it. He's saying he didn't in the spin room. I was in a gaggle with him. He defended it. But I'm not sure that this really helps him. What do you think? Yeah, so I think, um, and, and right now, just to just to give a little bit more context, the Biden and Castro campaigns are arguing. Biden's campaign says a Castro campaign official called them to apologize. Castro campaign is saying that's not true. No one has apologized. And they're trying to spin it forward and say, look, the point of what Julian Castro was saying was that the, Biden's plan will not cover 10 million Americans um, at, on health insurance. And so I think the, the divide here is over whether or not the attack was about Biden's health care plan or whether it was trying to challenge his mental his mental state yeah, and his health care or his health. Right, Ryan Teague Beckwith? Yeah, I don't. Uh, this struck me as one of those debates uh, where the public at home is like, what are they arguing about exactly? <laughs> like you're watching The Real Housewives or something and you went There's into the kitchen. There's nothing wrong with watching The Real Housewives. Another uh, no, but show, you know, you went going. into the kitchen, you came back and they're, they're slapping each other and like, well, I missed what this what started this. It, it was an obscure point that he was trying to make about whether you're automatically enrolled or not in a public option like plan. And it was just like, I, I just don't think that that's the kind of thing that is salient to viewers. Democrats also don't like to see Democrats hit each other. Right. Um, so it's always tricky in a primary uh, to do that. Um, Ryan Teague Beckwith is with us, as, as is Tyler Pager, two of the political all-stars on Bloomberg's political reporting, national politics team. Brian, okay, so we talked about Julian Castro. We, we're going to continue to talk about the big three, Biden, Warren, and Sanders. And, and Adam Green, who's a Warren World insider, is on his way to the he's, studio. He's here. He just oh, arrived. Like, he just arrived. Well, let's, let's hold off on Adam so we'll get him situated. But before we talk with Adam about Elizabeth Warren, talk to me about Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke, and Amy Klobuchar. How did they fare, in, and did any have a breakout moment? Ryan Teague Beckwith. Um, I think Cory Booker always does a credible job 
Um, you know, he's 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 quick on his feet. He makes sense. Uh, you know, most of his answers, which uh, Biden didn't always uh, meet that standard. Um, I think he did. He did fine. Buttigieg had a couple of moments there where he talked about civility. The, the bigger problem for them wasn't so much their debate performance as much as just that lane is already occupied by uh, Biden. And unless he falters, um, they're really not going to move ahead much. Um, but they 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 turned in good performances. They had good moments. Uh, Klobuchar, uh, you know, was kind of in a similar thing as she she was herself. She sounded a little bit like a senator. I think the. I read your bill on page eight was a very senator thing to say um, when she was talking to Sanders about his health care bill. I think people at home are like, uh, like as soon as you start talking about reading a bill, they, they don't, they're tuning out. Um, so, as we spin this forward, though, like th- this weekend in particular, Rye, what are the candidates going to do? What, has this changed? Yet? I'll ask both of you this question, uh, and then coming up we'll dive more into the weeds. But Ryan Teague Beckwith. What are you looking for this weekend, and did last night change the contours of the race at all? No, I, don't, I just don't think it changed anything. I think we're going to see the same uh, 10 people plus Tom Steyer at the next debate. I'm not sure. Someone may drop out between now and then uh, and spare us two nights of debate. Um, but I don't think that it's going to shift much, and I think that every day that it doesn't shift uh, is a bad day for anyone who's not in the top three. Tyler. Yeah, I would agree with what, what with what Ryan's saying. I think a lot of them were running campaigns on or, or run, are running and their strategy is when Biden falters, I will take his place as the moderate. We saw that from Buttigieg and from from Klobuchar. Also, Kamala Harris has pivoted again with a new strategy of just taking the fight directly to Trump. We've seen many different incar- uh, kind of strategies there of taking on Biden now to <laughs> many Trump. Iterations of her yeah, many iterations. And and so I think um they're all waiting for Biden to falter, but we haven't seen that happen. And his base is is still right there with him, particularly and it's almost in- this yeah, it's this interesting catch twenty two in terms, Tyler, uh of of the more candidates that there are, then the more he continues to solidify his lead. He benefits from having such a crowded Democratic presidential uh, Democratic presidential field. Coming up, we got to leave it there for now. Coming up, we're going to talk more about this. Adam Green has arrived. He is the Progressive Campaign Committee co-founder uh, and a war in world insider. We're going to get into Medicare. We're also going to get in to President Trump's tax cut 2.0 plan. Does it even have a chance? Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And this is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. What we should be doing is creating an economy that works for all of us, not 1%. That was Senator Bernie Sanders, the independent who caucuses with the Democrats of Vermont, speaking at Texas Southern University last evening during the third Democratic presidential, presidential excuse me, debate. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm still in Houston. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and I'm thrilled to have Adam Green. He has arrived in Washington, D.C. at the Bloomberg News Washington, D.C. Bureau he is a Warren World Insider to help us navigate through all, all of the progressive political 
circles. Truthfully, folks, there's no one better in Washington who understands the dynamics of progressive politics than the co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. Also with me, my colleague Ryan Teague Beckwith, Bloomberg News national political reporter. And coming up, we're going to hear from Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, a Democrat who represents the eastern part of Texas. So a lot to get through, a lot to unpack. I want to talk with, broadly speaking, Adam Green about the Medicare debate that dominated, dominated the first 20 minutes of last night's debate. It was like a three-way debate between Biden, Warren, and Sanders. Who won? So I think it was a good representation of, of both sides. If you think of the last debate being the kind of bad or weaker conservative avatars being present with Warren <laughs> and, and Bernie on stage, and then the weaker progressive avatars being with Biden and others, you know, this was actually a fair debate. You know, I think that Elizabeth Warren did a great job of elevating the human part of the debate that polling shows are our most persuasive points with the public. You know, saying that people pay a lot of money with copays, with deductibles, with premiums, that these are real costs for families and Medicare for all would eliminate all of those. I think Bernie did a good job of laying out the numbers. Uh, but Biden, you know, did his thing in terms of raising a lot of the, right, the right wing talking points against Medicare for all. So my guess is that most people watch that debate agreeing with the people that they were predisposed to agree with. But I think for the very few undecided people who are watching, uh, the progressive side did pretty well. Can Medicare for all be an issue that independent voters, people who vote for Republicans and Democrats and, and go back and forth from presidential to presidential, can that be an issue that can convince independent voters to, to go for, for Medicare for all? Absolutely. I would actually say they, they start off convinced. Right? Medicare for all starts off popular. The right-wing talking point, which unfortunately too many Democrats like Rahm Emanuel and others repeat, is, oh, when people hear that millions of people will lose their private employer health coverage, then support plummets. To which point, you know, to which I say, well, if they only hear an attack on any idea or person, support for that idea or person will plummet. The question is not, will Democrats get attacked? Of course we will. The question is not, will progressive ideas get attacked? Of course they will. The question is, how strong is your rebuttal? And how good is your candidate at making the case? All right. Well, wait, 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 wait. I, I think that's important. Wait, let me let me get in okay. here because this is important. Because one yep. of the most common things is that that we hear, and and we've heard it last night. It's come up in several interviews with Senator Warren, and is whether or not middle in, middle middle class taxes would go up. And Bernie Sanders gave a direct answer to that. I believe it was the first or second debate. Senator Warren has said, "Well, you know, it's a factor." It's a factor where you got to look at, at, at a, a lot of different costs. But, I mean, you know this, Adam, and I'm not trying to play gotcha here. I'm trying to, to really go into those 70,000 voters who voted for Obama twice and then voted for President Trump. Tax and middle, you know, whether or not your taxes are going to go up, that's something that, that factors into the voting calculation, is it not? Well, you know, taxes are a proxy for cost. What people care about are their pocketbooks. Do they have money to put food on the table, take care of their kids, take care of their families? And Elizabeth Warren's point was accurate and smart political messaging, which is your costs will go down. When you take all the costs that you currently pay for private insurance, including money that goes to exorbitant CEO pay, hundreds of billions of dollars in marketing, hundreds of billions of dollars in duplicate, dupl uh, duplicative administrative cost and unnecessary administrative cost, and take all that off the table, not have to pay deductibles, co-pays, premiums, and at the end of the day, you'll save thousands of dollars that's right back in your pocket. It goes for, you know, support goes very high. And I just yeah. want to answer my own attack before. She pointed out the exact same thing that we found in our polling, which is when you point out people don't love their insurance companies. They love their doctors. 
Medicare for All represents stability because if you get fired or quit your job or lose your job, you can still see the same doctor because every doctor will take Medicare for All. Support skyrockets after hearing the attacks. That's why we need somebody representing Democrats who makes the dem- Democratic argument, not repeats right-wing talking points. I, you know, this is uh, Ryan Teague with Bloomberg News National Political Reporter. And this is why Adam, truthfully, I mean, understands the the architect, the architecture, rather, of, of the argument of progressive policy in terms of that case that he just made. Ryan, based upon your reporting and based upon as you look at, as you contrast Elizabeth Warren to Bernie Sanders, who right now would be the better deliverer of that message to win over, not necessarily the base of the Democratic Party, but swing voters in a general election? I have to say right now, Warren benefits a lot from the fact that Sanders is on stage um, with her because it sort of sets um, it sets a, a, a poll up that she can say, well, she's not going as far as he does. For example, his uh, his uh, student loan plan right. would forgive like a trillion dollars more debt. And she can say, well, my plan actually is, you know, a little bit more moderate than that. And I think that that is something that as we get down closer to a three-way race um, allows her to position herself as being somewhat in the middle. And then I think there's a potential there for a pivot in the general election, whereas Sanders in the general election will will continue to be Sanders and Biden will continue to be Biden. I want to pick up on that point, and, and then I want to I want to just prove it with a, with a soundbite from last night from Elizabeth Warren. Everyone always says Bernie Sanders is so disciplined, and he is. He's an incredibly, incredibly disciplined politician and a, a disciplined messenger. But so is Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I, I think back, she beat Scott Brown, the, the Republican darling of the, of the Massachusetts Republican Party, uh, all of those years back. But take a listen to what she said about trade policy, because— her tone last night, and no one really has really analyzed, and I think we spent much more time on Bernie's tone, but her tone last night was very measured in how she essentially said she would continue to utilize tariffs, but she made a very different rhetorical approach than President Trump or Bernie Sanders. Take a listen to Elizabeth Warren on trade. Our trade policy in America has been broken for decades, and it has been broken because it works for giant multinational corporations and not for much of anyone else. So there, Adam, Adam Green, you, you hear that, and, and we were dissecting this on Bloomberg Television all throughout the day about how tariffs are now part of both parties' political ideology. But you hear that in terms of from, coming from Elizabeth Warren. How will she, I mean, because inter, utilize international trade policy and pivot to foreign policy, and we heard it a little bit last night when she alluded to Senator John McCain, but how will she begin to, to roll out a commander-in-chief vision for an Elizabeth Warren candidacy and presidency? Well, last night I thought she looked amazingly presidential, um, looked and sounded presidential. And last night was really the first time that I can remember her having a big foreign policy moment in a debate because right. it hasn't come up. But she was asked about Afghanistan, and she gave an amazingly clear and strong answer about why she would take our troops out of Afghanistan and bring, after 18 years, them home. And uh, on Twitter, it went wild um, in terms of energy. And so many people were saying she looked presidential, right? And that's why I, I agree um, with Ryan that you know basically her being on stage, not just, just with Sanders, but with everybody, allows a compare and contrast for voters back home, voters who are trying to decide who can be president but also voters who are trying to decide who can be electable against Trump. 
And I think anybody who watched last night could absolutely picture Elizabeth Warren both in the Oval Office and on the debate stage against Donald Trump. Discipline. That's the word that I keep coming back to in my eight years of covering Elizabeth Warren. Discipline. She is an incredibly disciplined politician in a way that I think contrasts with many of the others who who are are undisciplined in the sense that they run for a microphone. Coming up, we're going to have much more political policy analysis. And that's not a criticism or an attack. Uh, or praise on Elizabeth Warren. It's just uh, she's disciplined. And we're also going to check in with Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, a Democrat from Texas. Panel stays. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, as well as Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We made it to Friday. We made it to Friday. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Happy Friday, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm broadcasting live from the iHeartRadio studios at 950-KPRC-AM. They have been incredibly generous uh, hosts by allowing me to broadcast here as I await my flight back to Washington, D.C. later this evening from Houston, Texas. I've been on assignment for the past three days covering the third Democratic presidential debate, and we have it all covered, every which angle from the policy to the politics But let's not forget about President Trump. And that's why I'm so thrilled to have two of my colleagues holding down the I'm sorry, one of my colleagues uh, and and a political all star holding down the fort for me back in Washington, D.C. Ryan Teague Beckwith is Bloomberg News national political reporter. We're thrilled to have him with us on a Friday. And Adam Green, co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. Ryan, so much we've been talking all about the Democrats and who's up, who's down. But President Trump, I mean, how did President Trump fare last night? Uh, he wasn't on the stage, but obviously he was. He was. The, he didn't have to be. How did he do last night? He uh, gave a speech uh, in Baltimore to um, Republicans in uh, Congress, uh, pretty much uh, split screen, same time as the debates. I don't know if that was uh, a way to keep him off Twitter um, <laughs> during the debates. <laughs> Uh, but it did provide some interesting contrast, which actually took me a while to put together because I can't watch uh, more than one thing at a time. Um, he, Democrats twice praised John McCain on the debate Yeah, I stage. thought that was really interesting. And really, really interesting. At the same time, uh, 2,000 miles away in Baltimore, uh, Donald Trump bashed John McCain. 
It's such and one of those one of those people who praised Senator John McCain with the late Senator John McCain was Elizabeth Warren, who actually took a trip with the late Senator John McCain uh, to Afghanistan, I believe. Was it Afghanistan, Adam? Sounds right. Yeah, it was. It was either Afghanistan or Iraq. Yeah, it was Afghanistan. It was Afghanistan, uh, and and traveled with him uh, on what I believe was his last his last trip there. And and again, even just the notion of of a Republican president criticizing a, even a, any any other Republican senator uh, and and Democrats really embracing embracing that is such an illustration of the times. I do want to dive into policy because clearly the politicking uh, on both sides continued today with President Trump continuing to talk fodder about a potential tax cut 2.0. But, but, there's a divide within the Republican Party about, between, or rather, between President Trump and the Republican uh, House Ways and Means Committee uh, members about what exactly that would look like. I'm going to read from the Bloomberg Terminal, my colleagues Laura Davison and Eric Wasson reporting, One of President Donald Trump's favorite political promises is a second tax cut, but lawmakers in Congress who would need to develop and pass another reduction are more focused on making their first tax cut permanent. So, you know, you hear that lead, Ryan Teague Beckwith, Bloomberg News political reporter, national politics reporter, and essentially uh, the the Capitol Hill reporters are saying there's no way Tax Cut 2.0 passes any time before— in this Congress or before the election? Yes, Democrats still control the House, and they're in pretty good shape heading into the election with a number of Republican retirements and just their continued strength in suburban districts. Um, This is is vaporware. I I don't know how else to put it. (laughs) Vaporware, Um, vaporware wow. Vaporware is a term from uh, Silicon Valley for when someone talks about software that they don't yet have, um, (laughs) that they may never have. Uh, and nonetheless gets buyers for it. I, I think most people by now are aware that that he's going to talk about how he may have another tax cut. But there's nothing on the table. There's there's no particular plan put together. Uh, there's no foreseeable way that he could come together with Democrats who are currently campaigning on the idea of reversing his first tax cuts for the wealthy um, and keeping in place the parts that were for the middle class. Uh, in order to finance their pet projects. I, I just, I don't even see, <laughs> it, this is the kind of thing that makes a congressional reporter get just seriously annoyed because they had like three other stories of something that may actually come up for a vote that they would much rather report. So Adam, so Adam, I mean, to, to, to Ryan's point, I mean, White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow was uh, on Friday, he spoke to reporters and he said that they're going to they're gonna continue to do this uh, that this is not a response to there might being a, a, a recession. The direct quote from Cudlow on that, and this is important, is, quote, this is not a recession measure at all. The economy is very strong, end quote. But, I mean, you factor, you in, you factor, in, you factor in the political implications of that uh, and then the economic outlook, and you get a different picture. And, and Adam, we're going to come back to this because right now I'm being told by our, uh, by our producers – uh, in New York and here in Houston, that we are joined by Congresswoman, uh, we are joined by Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, a Democrat from uh, Texas. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us. She's a member of the House Financial Services Committee. I'm in Houston still. I, I, I love it so much. I can't get out of here, Congresswoman. Great job on the hosting of the debate last night. What'd you think of it? Oh, Kevin, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I, I uh, 
I uh, that is my alma mater, TSU, where where it was ho- hosted, and uh, went to the law school there. And I just cannot believe how they transformed uh, that that building and what a great job they did. Uh, much like the great job that all the candidates did during the debate, I was very impressed. And I think we have a great uh, group of experienced, diverse people, passionate about service and working for the people. You know, Congresswoman, we were talking about this all inside of the spin room and and even with uh, Congre- your colleague, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, who, by the way, gave me an excellent recommendation for some Mexican food here in Houston. And before I let you go, you got to tell me where to get the best Mexican food here in Houston is because this it's just such a food set city and you guys have excellent restaurants. But before we talk food, let's talk policy and the importance of Texas, not just whether or not it's going to turn purple or whether it will turn purple, but the importance that Texas plays in the Democratic primary process. Tell me how crucial it is, Texas, and on Super Tuesday. Well, I think Texas will be a critical state, and I think that ground zero for Texas is right here in Harris County in Houston. Uh, you know, that with the population growth, the demographic growth, and the um, excitement that we have uh, and all the work, quite frankly, that we've invested in the last decade, in registering voters, getting people motivated, getting them engaged. Uh, I think you're going to see some great numbers that we expect, about 11 million people to vote. Uh, and we've, we've been successful at increasing uh, every time uh, the number of uh, turnout between um, the 14 elections and the 18. Uh, we increased uh, voter turnout by almost 18 percent, and that's significant, and we, we hope to—, to uh, uh, to increase that even more for, for 2020. This is such an important point. Joining us on the line, Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia. She's a Democrat who represents uh, Texas's 29th congressional uh, district. Uh, she's also a member of the House Financial Services uh, Committee. Uh, and she's talking just about just how important uh, many of these suburban voters are, not just in the state of Texas, but also uh, these are the independent voters in the general election as well. What do you what economic pitch, Congresswoman, do Democrats need to make? Do they need to take a more Biden-esque centrist approach or an Elizabeth Warren-esque uh, approach in terms of messaging to the economy in a general election? Well, you know, I describe it just a basic bread and butter issue approach. People people worry about their pocketbooks. They worry about their paychecks, and they worry about what food they can put on the table. I mean, we really have to focus on going back to the basics uh, because that's what working, working and middle-class America care about. You know, at the end of the day, for them, it's about wages. For them, it's about what they can do for their families, including, you know, a good education and having health care. So it really is about the bread and butter issues, and that's what we need to talk about. Uh, You know, that's why we did focus on raising the minimum wage. That's why we've already passed that bill out of the House. We focused on equal pay for equal work, especially in today's world. The very idea that women may not be earning uh, the same as the man working in the same job next to them uh, is just ludicrous. Uh, so we really, uh, we've already passed that bill. So we continue to work on making sure that, that working America, uh, the lower, you know, middle class and, and, and the uh, uh, right. uh, working people um, have, have the wages that they, they need to be able to, uh, to have a good quality of life and, and make sure that their kids can go to school. 
Two more questions for you. Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia is on the line. She's a Democrat from Texas, uh, and she's been so generous with her time. We're appreciative of it, Congresswoman. Medicare for all. You for it? You against it? Should it should should there be a public private option? Where do you stand on Medicare for all? And is it smart for where should the Democratic Party stand on Medicare for all? Well, you know, I, I believe strongly that the first thing we have to do, and of course, we've already done it and, and passed the bill to, to protect Affordable Care Act. I mean, the Affordable Care Act has been a lifesaver uh, for my district and for over a million people here in Texas. Uh, any any cuts or any changes to the Affordable Care, Care Act will, will hurt uh, a lot of people, and, and particularly working mothers, particularly children, and other vulnerable populations. So I always start with protecting the Affordable Care Act and moving from there. Uh, you know, I'm an old social worker by, by, by trade before I became a lawyer. You know, there's nothing more important uh, than the health care of our workers and our children and our, and our, and our seniors. Uh, so I think it's important that, that we, we, we not make any cuts to Medicare or Medicaid or CHIP program, uh, but that we do look at Medicare and, and make it available to everyone. Uh, I'm not signed up, um, you know, just to be perfectly candid uh, on any of the uh, proposals because I wow. want to see what the final product looks like. I, I'm not too keen. And on, not many, on a lot of voters, you know, and I said this in the spin room, Congresswoman. I don't blame you. A lot of voters are still making up their mind, and they're they're sorting through it. It's so early in the process. You've got everybody running for president, plus Marianne Williamson, and people are people are figuring it out. Last question before I let you go. And but again, it's a very for- complicated issue. And you know, yeah. before you put your your sponsor your name on it, I don't know what for me for everyone else, but for me, I want to I want to know what the final product's going to look like. I want to see what all the end is going to look like. So it's too early, uh, but I'm certainly open to it. All right, last question: Where should I get some tacos after the show tonight? Where's the best place in Houston to get some tacos? Oh, tonight? Well, uh, regrettably, it's tonight, which means my favorite place. And, you know, I always come back home, and that's one of the first stops I make is a good binge of, of, of tacos. But for me, it's Tex-Mex crispy beef tacos. And those you can find at Doña Maria's Restaurant on Navigation, about right. five minutes from downtown Houston. Regrettably, All right, however, they do not serve dinner. Oh, Congresswoman, you're breaking my heart. All right, Congresswoman. All right. Well, thank you. I'll have to come back to Houston uh, for lunch. I'll have to come back to Houston for lunch. Coming up, much more politics and policy. Thank you to Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, the Democrat from Texas. Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And I want to thank our colleagues in New York and Washington, D.C. for all of their help as we covered the third Democratic presidential debate here in Houston. I also want to give a shout out uh, to Houston KPRCAM and iHeartRadio for being such generous Host for us uh, for tonight, this evening, before we head back to the airport to fly back to Washington, D.C. We've got so little time left, but I do want to get to what's on our panel's radar. I'll start with Adam Green, the progress, uh, a Warren World insider, so to speak, as well as co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee. Very quickly, uh, Adam, what's on your radar uh, this weekend and in the future 
uh, maybe even heading into the third debate next month in Ohio. Sorry, just to pick up with your last point about taxes. You know, I think any issue- We don't have time for taxes. We got to move on. Tell me what's on your radar. And anything, anything having to do with the question of whose side is the government on really speaks to Elizabeth Warren's strong point, and, and that's what I'm paying attention to in the national dialogue right now. All right. All right. Next debate is the fourth Democratic presidential debate. I apologize. I said it was the third. I haven't slept in a year. Um, uh, Ryan Teague Beckwith, what is on your political radar? Bloomberg News National Politics Reporter. Uh, I think this sort of unfolding story about Air Force stays at Trump's um, resort in Scotland this this is feels Ooh. like the kind of thing that people can understand um, and involves the military. It involves his hotels. Um, I'm sure that there is more to come on it. And uh, I, I think this has um, one of those poten- stories that it potentially has legs. All right, you know what I'm following, following and paying attention to is, is this Brexit situation. I mean, I've been following this on the terminal here from Houston, and there's so much uh, with regards to what's going on with Brexit. Boris Johnson's going to travel to Luxembourg for his first face-to-face talks with European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker on Brexit, and that's happening on Monday. Uh, so we're going to keep a careful tab on that. All right, I want to thank Adam Green. I want to thank Brian T. Beckwith, who held down the fort for me in Washington, D.C., uh, as I'm still here in Houston, you guys, but I'm coming back to Washington. I'm flying in tonight. Uh, so stick around for much more coverage on Bloomberg Radio. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel. It's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.